taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Drink from, 
oh, here's my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, here's my song. You are good, you're good. Good morning, everyone. I believe it would be safe to say that all of us have experienced change 
and transitions in our lives on many occasions under many different circumstances. Some of the changes and transitions have been very positive, like graduating or getting married or having a baby, buying your first house, getting a new job. And some have no doubt been very painful, such as losing a loved one or being diagnosed with a life-altering health issue, losing your job, getting divorced, navigating painful family realities. Like all of us, I have experienced both positive and negative transitions in my life. Now, one of the most positive transitions in my ministry was when I became a senior pastor for the very first time. I had the privilege of serving a church under the leadership of the most godly mentor anyone could ever ask for. After serving with him for seven years, he resigned and I was invited to succeed him. The announcement of succeeding him came a few weeks prior to his departure and how he handled that transition time was as Christ-like as one could ever hope for. He always included me in board meetings from day one as training for my future ministry. But during his final board meeting, he stopped partway through the meeting and announced that the remainder of the agenda was future-oriented, and since he was not going to be a part of the future, he was exiting the meeting and passing the leadership of the meeting over to me, their future pastor. Now that type of transition and response was unheard of. In his farewell sermon, he preached on Elijah and Elisha and had me come to the front at the end as he symbolically passed the mantle of his leadership of the church over to me publicly endorsing me as the new leader. The way he responded to that transition not only benefited me as the future leader, not only benefited the church as they would move forward under my leadership, but it benefited the kingdom of God as a whole. Our current sermon series is entitled 40 Days. And we have been considering some of the appearances of Jesus following his resurrection. Today, we will conclude our series by focusing on the final appearance of Jesus just prior to his ascension. Our scripture today is a transition passage that links Jesus leaving and the promise of the soon coming of the Holy Spirit to empower the followers of Jesus. And we will be reminded today that whether the transitions we experience are positive or negative, our response to our transitions should always align with the priorities and mission of the kingdom of God. Today, we will focus primarily on Jesus' final moments and ascension. And then next week, which is Pentecost Sunday, we will focus on the empowering of the Holy Spirit that is spoken about in this scripture. Let's begin today by considering kingdom transition. The Gospel of Luke 
and the book of Acts form two volumes of one work, both written by Luke. During New Testament times, these writings were written on scrolls, and these scrolls would be circulated among the churches. The two scrolls of Luke-Acts would circulate together since they were literally part one and part two of Luke's account. It was only when the Bible as we know it today was compiled that Luke and Acts were separated, if you will, by John's gospel in terms of their placement in Scripture. The focus of the Gospel of Luke is recording the Spirit-empowered mission and ministry of Jesus. All that Jesus began to do and teach, Luke's own words. The focus of the book of Acts is to show the continuation of what Jesus did and taught through his Spirit-empowered followers. Now, Acts chapter 1 serves as a transition, not only between the two volumes, part 1 and part 2, but also highlights the transition between Jesus' ministry and his followers, the church who will carry on his ministry. The Gospel of Luke ends with Jesus ascending into heaven in the company of his followers, and Acts 1 begins with a recap of that final scene in Luke, with more details added in order to draw attention to what will happen next in Jesus' absence. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days after his death and resurrection to provide them with convincing proof that he was alive. Just as Jesus was prepared for his Spirit-empowered ministry by spending the first 40 days of his ministry in the wilderness, his followers are being prepared for the continuation of Jesus' ministry, his Spirit-empowered ministry, in the final 40 days of his ministry. Secondly, kingdom focus. Luke provides us with insight into what Jesus actually focused on during the final 40 days after his resurrection. Luke says he spoke about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the kingdom of God. The connection between resurrection and the kingdom of God was not new to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people. Most Jews believed in a physical, bodily resurrection for all of God's people, and they connected resurrection to the coming of God's kingdom. They saw resurrection and the coming as God's kingdom as being a single moment in time, that God would send the Messiah, he would overthrow all of their enemies, God would then establish his kingdom, and all God's people who had died would be resurrected. Jesus' resurrection and his raising others from the dead during his ministry suggested that the kingdom of God had somehow come, but there was a problem. Their enemies were not overthrown yet. There was a lot of confusion about the kingdom. Had the kingdom come already, or was it coming in the future? Kingdom is about reign. It's about authority. It's about rule. And Jesus taught that it was both present and future that the kingdom was tied to 
his first and his second coming. The kingdom began to break in upon them with his arrival, and the kingdom would come in its fullness when he returned again. Jesus used the final days to help them understand the kingdom. This was a time where he would have reiterated his previous teachings. It would have been a time of clarification, helping them understand what he had been teaching. And it was likely also a time of filling in the details, such as things that took place during his trial, or that night when he was alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, or the 40 days he spent alone in the wilderness during the temptation at the start of his ministry. Since none of them would have been present during those moments, yet wrote about them later. Thirdly, kingdom come. Jesus' followers all wanted the kingdom to come in its fullness, and so they asked Jesus if he was going to inaugurate the kingdom right then, right there. Jesus' response to their question was, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. The focus was not on when the kingdom was going to come, but instead on what their mission and ministry was supposed to be between Jesus' first and second coming. So Jesus said, it's not for you to know. But he didn't stop there. He stated what their focus shouldn't be, which was trying to figure out when the kingdom was coming, but to instead focus on the task at hand. Well, what was the task at hand? Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. The time between the present breaking in of the kingdom and the future full realization of the kingdom, the time between his first coming and his second coming was to be focused on the mission of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news. Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And first, he must reign in their hearts, and ultimately, he will reign over all. Their mission was to proclaim the kingdom, that it had come, and what that meant, and that it was coming fully when Jesus returned, and what that meant. Now, our scripture ends with Jesus ascending into heaven and the words of the heavenly messengers. Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. There are two things that I would like to focus on from our scripture today that I believe identify two extremes that we sometimes take in considering the ascension of Jesus and the promise of his return. The first is Jesus is coming back. If you were to ask a non-Pentecostal, even some Pentecostals, what they believe the primary focus of Pentecostal theology and doctrine has been since the birth of the modern-day Pentecostal movement in the early 1900s, they would most likely say emphasis on the Holy Spirit, and for good reason. 
But there are many within Pentecostal ranks, and I would be one of them, that might disagree with that observation. Many of us would argue that the second coming of Jesus is actually the central or primary focus of the Pentecostal movement. We passionately preach the need for salvation in Jesus because we believe that Jesus is coming back and people need to be ready to meet him. We emphasize the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a second work of grace because it empowers believers to be witnesses to reach people so that they can be ready when Jesus comes back. We believe that healing, deliverance, miracles, the ongoing evidence of the Holy Spirit's work is relevant in the church today because we believe it is a foretaste of what things will be like in fullness when Jesus comes back. We place a heightened emphasis on holy living because we want to be found ready when Jesus comes back. There is a strong argument that much of what we believe and practice as Pentecostals historically has been centered in the anticipation that Jesus could return at any time. And there was an urgency. Now, I'm not sure if the second coming of Jesus has the same level of priority, anticipation, and urgency as it once did in our ranks. We may verbally acknowledge that we believe that Jesus is coming back, but I wonder sometimes if we are living our lives like we really, really believe it. So I'd like to reiterate the words of Jesus himself, the heavenly messengers, and many New Testament writers. Jesus is coming back. And therefore, emphasis on the second coming is very important. We need, I believe, to rediscover the importance of this reality that Jesus Christ is coming again. Secondly, there is a work to do. While one extreme is for the second coming to lose its emphasis in our lives and in our churches, the other extreme is to become obsessed with the, the topic of his return to the point where we may find ourselves becoming ineffective in the work that Jesus has called us to do. Jesus was very clear. It is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Yet followers of Jesus, primarily in North America, I might add, spend thousands of hours and millions of dollars on teaching, research, books, videos, online material linked directly to trying to decode the prophecies of Scripture in order to connect these prophecies to the details of current events in order to ultimately predict the second coming of Jesus. Now, I would like to suggest today that the kingdom of God would be much better served if followers of Jesus spent less time and money focusing on the time and the dates, on the when, and more time focusing on the what. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Jesus used the time between his first coming and his ascension, preaching about the kingdom 
and he is asking his followers to spend the time between his ascension and his second coming doing the same. Announcing a kingdom that is promised to the poor and the marginalized, but difficult for the rich and the privileged. Announcing a kingdom that requires the surrender of one's personal agenda. Announcing a kingdom that embraces giving one's life to radical obedience, surrender, and sacrifice. Announcing a kingdom that requires loving one's neighbor above oneself and seeking justice in our world. Announcing a kingdom not based on status or accomplishments in this world, but on what Jesus taught, what Jesus did, and what Jesus promised he would do in the future. Announcing a kingdom of faith and trust in Jesus as the one who rules over our lives first and foremost. I suppose it's much easier to try and figure out when Jesus is coming back than it is to live kingdom life. Let's be honest. But let's be reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 25 when he talked about what it would be like when he returned. And he said this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Folks, there is a work to do. And let's make sure we're focused on kingdom work. In conclusion this morning, I want to remind us that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. And he spent those 40 days speaking of the kingdom of God. He reminded his followers that they were not to be concerned about when the kingdom of God would come in its fullness, but rather on the work of being his witnesses in the time that they were given. Jesus is coming back, and we need that to motivate us, to impact us, and to change us, so that it will in turn motivate, impact, and change others. Jesus used the time between his first coming and his ascension preaching about the kingdom, and he's asking his followers to spend the time between his ascension and his second coming doing the same. There is a work to do. Let's make sure we're focused on kingdom work. Whether the transitions we experience are positive or negative, our response to our transitions 
should always align with the priorities and mission of the kingdom of God. Jesus, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here in us. Jesus, there is no one greater. You alone are Savior. Show the world your love. King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come down. Let your glory reign, shining like the day. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. Who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty Christ go with you wherever he may send you. 
May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. God bless you and have a great week.